Christ is risen. Christos Anesti. Christos Vosgrasi. Christos Enviat. Amasiakam. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We continue our 40-day celebration of our Lord's rising from the dead. Last week, with the encounter of St. Thomas with our Lord. And this week, we commemorate the holy myrrh-bearers, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, both of whom came at night secretly. But we have before us the resurrected Lord, the one whom St. Peter in the 10th chapter of Acts tells us that God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. As we celebrate the rising of our Lord in special, uh, I wouldn't just say solemnity, but celebration through these 40 days, because every Sunday is a little Pascha, but this is the specific time of the year that we give up, that we dedicate to our Lord's rising. This is a time to consider as all of the accounts of our Lord's resurrection. As Peter says, he was risen on the third day and showed by God openly, but not to everyone, but to witnesses chosen beforehand by God. So the question naturally arises, why did Jesus not go about showing himself to everyone? Has this ever, ever wondered about this? If this is the great miracle, this is the beginning of the end, this is life everlasting, why did not the triumphant Lord go about showing everyone, not just Thomas, not in a room behind locked doors, not just to, as far as we know, the biggest, right, the 500, and to others, but he only chose particular witnesses, We're apt to fancy, to think about the resurrection of Christ as that striking, visible display of his glory. We have a lot of artwork that does this, right? The soldiers just bowled over him triumphant. But God has considered this triumph not something to parade about in public. But he presents himself alive. And not just presenting himself alive, but as St. Peter tells us, to sit and eat and drink with particular witnesses. Why do we think that people would have reacted differently to Jesus resurrected from the dead than from before? His former, former miracles had not moved the people before. Miracles had left them as they found them. Some of these miracles even left people worse than before. 
They might have been more startled at the time, but why, over time, did the amazement not last? When the man who had been taken with palsy was suddenly restored at our Lord's word, in Luke, the multitude were amazed, they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. What could they have said or felt more than this when one rose from the dead? Remember in Acts, when Paul goes and preaches their apagus, they're like, that's very interesting. We'll hear you again. In truth, this is the way of all of mankind. To be influenced by sudden fears, sudden contrition, sudden earnestness, sudden resolutions, and then just as suddenly for all of those things to just disappear. Nothing is done through untrained human nature. This is always the condition of the multitude, to see, to react. I mean, we see this with all, just get on Twitter, right? Everything is just bam, the next day. Nobody remembers what happened yesterday. Every hour, there's something going on. The multitude is unstable as water. One day the multitude cried, Hosanna. The next, as we know, they cry, crucify him. Had our Lord appeared to them after they had crucified him, of course, they would have shouted, Hosanna, once more. And when he ascended out of sight, then again, they would have persecuted his followers. Our Lord chose his witnesses, those that he was, had already invested in, those who knew him, those that he was going to use to propagate the gospel. Because the multitude is fickle. But the best men, those that our Lord called to him, men and women, he urged tutored, disciplined to their work so that they could propagate the gospel. As throughout this season, as we read through the book of Acts, this is what we see. From the very beginning of Acts, it tells us that our Lord taught them, that he was with them for 40 days, teaching, encouraging, breaking open to them scripture, eating and drinking with them. Forty days of intense formation. This is what the Paschal season is. It's not, as I think it is always a temptation for us, a time of laxity and frivolous pursuits. We put all of our serious work in, and there's 40 days of Lent. Let's not count beyond 40 because... Uh, you know, there's more than 40 actually when you start counting everything up. But there is, as the church sets aside, this 40 days of continued formation. A time to immerse ourselves in joyful prayer, study of scripture, eating and drinking with our Lord. Because, brothers and sisters, we have been chosen. The gospel call is still with us. We are the Myrrhbearers. We are Joseph and Nicodemus. We are the apostles. 
We have apostolic responsibilities. We have the same mission and job to announce the glad tidings of the resurrection, to go forth into the world baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what our call is because we have been chosen. We out of the multitude who have put ourselves, who sit at the feet of Jesus, who contemplate him, who revel in his glory, the resurrected one, because the gospel is something that we have to ingest, that we have to let permeate through our lives. Because death is dead. There's nothing left for us to truly fear. We have a reason to have faith, a reason to have hope, a reason to love. There is nothing that stands against us, neither principalities or powers. There's nothing that stands against us. We have been called by Christ to be those co-workers with him. We see in Acts 6 in the reading that we have this morning that there was trouble in the church, a division arising between the Jews and the Hellenist. So those whose background was Jewish who were in the church and those who were not Jewish in the church. And what do they need to do? They needed to find those with good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom they may appoint over this business. This time that we have in the Paschal season is not a uh, kind of coasting as we put in all of the work before, but this is still the time to contemplate, to build up the church, to think about and meditate upon our Lord so that we ourselves can look for ways in which we can serve, where we can be like the holy myrrh where we can be like St. James, whom we commemorate today. That we ourselves can look to be the kind of men and women who were ready to lead and administer within the church. This is why after this happens, this division, this trouble, and if you read through the book of Acts and you go through the centuries, the church is always, I'll say in trouble. There's always things going on in the church. Maybe not here at St. Anne's, but all you have to do is go get on the internet and see what's going on. People complaining, people, uh, priests, bishops saying things, all sorts of things happening. But this is the way it has always been. And it should not damper or dampen our faith in Christ and the belief in his resurrection and what that means for us. Because as we see in the book of Acts, whenever there was trouble, Peter thrown in jail, the angels let him out. Division in the church, order restored by the gift of the Holy Spirit and seven men set aside to administer, to create healing. And what is the effect of that? Then the word of God spread, the number of disciples multiplied, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith, those serving there in Jerusalem. Last evening, we had readings from the epistle of James. 
And I encourage you during this season, this is a wonderful book to pick up. It's short. It is, has brevity. And it is something to contemplate throughout this time of the Paschal season. Joy in trials and tribulation that produces patience. How we in the church are to relate between the rich and the poor. How we are to govern our lives, especially our tongues. St. James says, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart, for this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Read the book of James. Pick something up to contemplate, to put before you how does faith actually embody itself. Take advantage of these 40 days. Don't just fade back into the background, but sit with our resurrected Lord as he breaks open the scriptures to you, having your hearts warmed within you as you see him teaching, leading, rebuking, encouraging all of the things that he does for us as the resurrected one. Go and upbuild and encourage and announce to the brethren and to those in the world. Be merbears, be apostolic, be about the mission of the church. Seek ways to serve. There's all sorts of little ways to serve. And they're all important in the kingdom. There is a division of labor as it was, as we see in Acts 6. There are particular folks set aside to serve. And there are those who set aside to serve the word of God. But all of this is necessary for the growth, prosperity, and health of the church. This is what it is for the risen Lord to reign and to govern his church. This is why we have joy. This is why we have good news for ourselves, for our families, and for the world. Christ is risen. Christos was Christos 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 Christos